0: Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Gary V Audio Experience. We have an awesome episode for you today, but we just want to remind you before the episode starts that if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, please leave your comments for today's episode in the Q and A section under this episode. If you're listening on Apple, Google, or anywhere in between, please tweet Gary at Gary V. Make sure you join the Discord to stay up to date on all things V, friends. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. This is the Gary V Audio
1: Experience.
2: Gary, Andrea, big day for you.
0: Yes. Um, Do you have anything to show over there on that table? Yeah, as you know, like uh, obviously a lot going on in uh, V Friends land, but uh, but that's for another time and another day. I'm that's very excited time. about it. Yes.
2: Yeah, we're, today we're going to crack the code on speed and agility, and a favorite topic of yours, I know. Um, we've got some great a great lineup today, and we're going to kick things off with Andy Rebin. He is the CMO of El Pollo Loco, and it's interesting, as I was kind of s- searching up a little bit about his background, he has a video that's called Beanie Babies, McNuggets, and Oh My!, How a childhood hustle evolved into a winning mentality in digital. Uh, In addition to El Pollo Loco, he's obviously worked at McDonald's and Ford, and he may have something to show you partway through your conversation.
0: I don't know,
1: but I can't wait to hear you guys. Awesome.
0: How are you, my friend?
1: I'm good. Good to see you today.
0: Great to see you, Andy. Look, I think this show goes quick. You're about to find out. So let's just go right into it. Given that incredible intro, the entrepreneurial background, you know, I think gives you gives me an advantage of understanding speed and agility, because there really is no other option when you come up that track. Whereas if you go through a classic track of school and corporate, one can argue that that is not necessarily the KPIs. What is cracking the code for all the entrepreneurs or all the executives, because we have a good mix of both watching. When you hear this question posed, what, what stands out, Andy?
1: I think the biggest thing is just taking the opportunity and taking the chances when presented. I really like to lean in pretty heavily. And I would say that, you know, six moves in 11 years in corporate America, Kansas City, Detroit, Boston, Chicago, Atlanta, LA, uh, you got to be really willing to chase the opportunity and where that opportunity is. And, you know, really just keep a pulse on trends. Uh, You know, Andrea did a nice job talking about beanie babies. I sold my first beanie baby at 12 years old for $250 to a cart in the mall. And, uh, you know, that's just something that I'm super passionate about. Got into eBay really early and uh, sold what all year? the things. Uh, I got into eBay probably 2000-ish, maybe 1999, but I was young at the time. That was like mm-hmm. 12, 13 years old for me. So I was selling all my neighbor's stuff and uh, it was a really good way to make extra money.
0: What? Um, give an example of like striking when the opening's there that you think is more mapping towards a corporate company. You know, think about the restaurant group that you're in right now, like what does that, yeah. give me a for instance, like if this happens, we would think this way.
1: Right, um, so leaning in heavily, I would say to TikTok, we had a for instance where we saw that Birria was a food product that was trending heavily in the LA area. And we moved very quickly. Normally it takes, you know, call it nine, 12, 24 months to kind of develop that product life cycle. And we said, we have to do it in three, we have to do it you know, quicker than six. And we hit while the iron was hot, It was our best-selling product ever in the company's 41-year history, and we broke uh, sales records for three weeks straight uh, for our overall annual unit volumes. And so leaned in heavily there, moved quickly. Our franchisees were supportive. We got the operations group very involved and made it box financially. So it was a really successful uh, LTO product for us.
0: And and now what? Like, is everyone kind of like, okay, wait a minute, like this needs to be the norm like this? Th- th- do people realize that this wasn't a one-off and it's replicatable or do they think it was a, a one-off?
1: No, I think it's replicatable. I think you really have to just make sure you engage your supply chain folks early because I think in the glo- global supply chain crisis that we're in right now, clearly you have to be able to understand the dynamics of marketplace fluctuations and really just continuing to keep a pulse on the consumer. I mean, that's, that's the biggest piece. Foods trends, food trends change every single day. And uh, you know, we just wanna be at the, at the center of it and it's super important to us and we feel like we can lean in quickly again.
0: But um, What's the biggest thing that stops big orgs from getting there in your opinion?
1: I think bureaucracy. I think too many cooks in the kitchen. I think having a single decision maker uh, really helps speed along the process. And I think alignment is key too. Um, making sure that all cross-functional subjects are brought in early and often can really lead to acceleration of making things happen. And I think sometimes in some of the larger organizations I was a part of, I learned so much and how to be a student of the business, but I think lots of times there were so many layers that it prevented uh, innovation and speed and agility from happening.
0: Do you think that's the human trait of insecurity? Like, I I I think about this a lot, like mm -hmm. to your point, like when I see things going slow in my company where we have a lot of safety because Mm -hmm. I'm really a, high energy active founder ceo and so you know that that's what companies take on that personality like it's always fear that is holding people up like this person even though they heard me that they're safe don't believe me because they've worked in right. other places where they're not safe and then because of that consciously and sometimes subconsciously maybe mm-hmm. even half the time subconsciously they start playing politics which just slows everything down
1: Yeah. I think part of it is fear of missing out. I think part of it is people want to be a part of things that they think will succeed for the organization. But I think in kind of- You mean
0: mean success has a million fathers, failure has none?
1: (laughs) Exactly. But I also think in parallel, though, some people are scared of making mistakes. I mean, lots of times you need to swing the bat um, and just be okay with making mistakes. James Joyce, one of my favorite quotes, mistakes are the portrayal of discovery. To me, it's like, you need to learn. You got to fail fast, iterate, and get better. And I think Sometimes that's not, you know, an option in big orgs.
0: What is, before we get you out of here in a couple of minutes, what, what else have we not touched on thematically or a tidbit or a kid coming up that wants to get into like what, what have we not talked about from speed and agility that you think makes sense?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest pieces is learn from people who do it well and learn from people who fail. I think lots of case studies are great. I think connecting on LinkedIn is huge. Uh, I'm a big believer in mentorship, and um, I've connected Let's
0: give Let's give some roses to some people before we get out of here. Who was a mentor that you think really brought you value through your career?
1: Uh, There's a couple. Uh, Musa Tarek, who is the current CMO of GoFundMe, uh, incredible human being and great friend of mine. Um, I would say Greg Watson, who is one of my former managers at McDonald's, Uh, Julia Vanderplug, uh, who was the former chief digital officer at Hyatt, uh, and then Neil Golden, um, who is on the board of RBI, uh, former CMO of McDonald's, just incredible people who have challenged me, made me better, and just given me so much time that I'm grateful for.
0: I love that. Uh, got another minute or two. Why don't I just throw a little curveball on you? I, I like the TikTok call out. What has most surprised you about the rise of TikTok in the last three years as a pretty contemporary marketer yourself and coming up the ranks? And I know Musa super well, and some of the other names you mentioned. Um, we kind of come from the same schools. Like if I asked you the biggest thing that surprised you, how would you answer that?
1: I would say how quickly uh, CEO and the board was ready to adapt. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're really scared initially to lean in and mm-hmm. understand that a big part of our media spend was gonna go to influencers and shifting over to the authentic platform that's TikTok. And um, very quickly, we were able to show them results, increase in engagement, and just really, uh, just the brand expanding, casting a wider net was huge. Um, I think there was a little bit of you know, timidness of, can we really abandon TV that quickly? And uh, I was really excited about how we leaned in and how uh, the board and the CEO were very supportive of it.
0: I love it. Andy, thank you so much, brother. Continued success out there.
1: Thanks Gary, take care.
0: Thanks Andy.
2: Next up, we welcome Jay Livingston, the CMO of Shake Shack. Jay is responsible for marketing, the digital experience and all things product couple of cool facts about jay he's an angel investor in over 30 startups he's produced several feature films and he's a founding a founding member of unite america welcome jay
3: gary thanks jay, for what's having good.
0: me it's good i'm so glad you're here um,
3: how long how long have you been cmo of shake shack be 4 years in january
0: yeah i thought it was that's great so Last you know, I time
3: think I saw you, we were at a dinner, I was CMO of Barkbox. Uh, I remember. At the time in Bank of America. Before that,
0: yeah. I remember. Um, so, given Barkbox, which obviously I was wrote one of the first checks into that company, um, Shake Shack, Young, but you're catching it, you know, a, further along than the Barkbox, and then obviously Bank of America. I think you're actually, based on the last conversation, sitting in an incredible spot. I would call it like. Big, medium, small, in a lot of ways if you know themes that are similar, differences, you know, or just your maybe even to start here an opening rant on what is what is the maneuvers needed to crack the code on speed and agility, and maybe in all three of those buckets, given that you really have touched things at very interesting times
3: one thing, I think companies. Uh, people that work at these big companies do themselves a disservice when they discount small companies and vice versa, right? The startups say, oh, they're too slow at the big companies. We have nothing to learn from them. We're not going to hire from them. We want people from other growth companies to come in here and help us. And then the big companies have the same sort of uh, blind spot. I think there's actually a ton you can learn from both. Like I kind of can see the future because I've, I've been in the future before. I know what Mm -hmm. growth, Look, there's nothing that I run into any day that I say, man, I don't know how to handle this, because frankly, we had to handle it all at a big company if you're there long enough. Right. So you can kind of see the future. What you can't let that do is give you blinders so that you start uh, you stop innovating and being curious and thinking that everything is going to just not pivot and change, which is such a skill you have to have at a growth company, being able to react quickly to those. Uh, that's the thing that took me a minute, I think, when I got to Bark and even Shake Shack was there are two things I didn't understand. I didn't understand social media, uh, performance marketing, growth marketing at Bank of America because we didn't really have to do it. So that was something I had to learn. Um, and then secondly, I didn't realize how quickly you had to make decisions. Right. It's right. just this need of decision making. that uh, You have to bring more instinct. One of my mantras I've said is like we need to be a more data a fact-based decision-making organization, but we're still sort of instinct led. And that takes a minute to get used to if you come from a big company, but it's a great combination and we try to embrace it.
0: I love that. I love that. What, um, what is Shake Shack thinking about right now from a speed agility or really speed and agility is just a framework that gets you to relevance, right? And so, right. or at least one of the things that gets you to. And so what's kind of hot You know, I think there's a lot of love for this brand. And so while I got you, give me a little of what's
3: hot. Well, one is I'm lucky to be part of the passion brand that like when we open in Manila, we have people scalping burgers out front. Uh, that we have to put a limit on the number of burgers that are open because they'll scalp them for 20 bucks out front. So that's something you can't really design for. You know, when Danny Meyer founded the restaurant, we never guessed that there would be that kind of avidity. Uh, It's not something you can advertise your way into. It has to be all about the experience and everything else. I think uh, we're also opening a Shake Shack somewhere in the world every few days. So that kind of pace and growth, uh, you know, is is something we're super focused on. I'd say what's hot is I always say as a marketer, our job is to go where the eyeballs are, and yeah. I want to get ahead of where those eyeballs are going. Right? Like, and that doesn't mean these legacy platforms are going away. I'm sure when uh, radio came out, newspapers thought, "Well, we're done," and when television yeah. came out, radio yeah, thought, "Yeah, very... You know, awesome. it's
0: ne- you're you're never dead; you just become overpriced, that's right? right. Like, Like the TV commercial, I've seen TV commercials. My argument is that not that they're not getting seen. They're not getting seen against the costs associated with producing a commercial and the media associated with it. What You know, I'm sure, I I mean, I've seen banner ads on ESPN.com. They're expensive against the cost of the impression and the creative to actually get me to do something. That's where the argument becomes passionate for me.
3: Correct, and that's why, the job of a of a marketer is to constantly be hacking our way into where those eyeballs are going doesn't mean you drop everything else that you may have experienced and that's working to some degree but yeah we want to be you know the thing is if you look back at history last five years just social platforms so we have big instagram engagement we have big engagement on a lot of our social media platforms we're always thinking about okay we gotta have to invest in three or four of these we don't know which one's going to win but when one of them be real or TikTok or you name it starts to leap, we already want to have a little bit of experience. A little
0: at, something. That's right.
3: And my job is to convince um, my CM, our CEO, like, Hey, we got to spend a little money here. Three of these are going to fail. But if we're an early mover. Jay,
0: on- are, is it, is it a game of, sorry to interrupt. Is it a game of convincing for more budget or is it a game of you sitting at the top of marketing saying, you know what? I haven't been feeling great about, the ROI lately on this direct mail or this banner ad or this outdoor or this Facebook, let me just carve out a couple hundred K out of this and plop it here. Or is it some, is it sometimes one or the other? Like how does it play out just to give a little under the hood for the kids at home?
3: I think it's both. I think it's both because you got to have the organization sort of backing you. Like if you're making a bunch of bets that nobody really understands or knows that CFO and CEO, and then those things are failing and you haven't established how you want it to work you could be in a little trouble, right? I've sure. been like very similar to angel investing. If I've got a portfolio of 30 companies, like I know that 25 of those are not gonna fly, right? I'm hoping three of them do pretty well and I'm hoping the other two make the entire thing. And th- it's a similar way in social media and some of these platforms right now. Like I'm gonna have to take some investments knowing that several of them aren't gonna work. But man, if you were early, if you're super early on TikTok and you were out there like, um, even with a small, getting a small understanding, think about the spades that's paying off in now. Um, whereas there were several investments we've made that, you know, you might not feel that way as much about.
0: Yeah. What, um, what about, um, what about the best ROI you felt from a fast move and the one that you most had confidence for that didn't pan out little win and loss moment here for everybody to hear about the wins and the losses and your thinking behind them could be a bank of america could be a bark could be a shake shack could be a something you saw because you were an investor and want to come but but you i think it's it's more personal when it's you something you really backed that didn't pan out something that you really backed that did pan out around speed and agility and first mover or early mover in a thing
3: one that didn't you know, we want to be an experiential brand. I'll give you the most recent one. I've got a whole history of them, but when COVID broke out, we came up with this concept called Shack Camp, and the idea was like all these people, kids, families are sitting at home. They've got nothing to do. Let's develop a box that's like if you're part, if you love the Shake Shack experience, let's put all these things in the box. Let's do videos around every day for camp. So five days of camp, you get to engage. We got a recipe in there we'll give you some cooking tools you can make food one day with your family you can do all these different things well turns out we weren't great at putting that box together (laughs) it was quite expensive it had 40 items in it we had a lot of loyal customers who bought it um, and we did these great videos around it but the box we ended up taking a little bit of a bath on how much we spent on it versus how much we made Um, and that was a little bit humbling because uh, it was just something outside of our comfort zone i think it was worth i think it was worth the experiment but yeah it didn't work so that that was one that you've always got to be careful when you really get outside of doing something that is totally not something you That was a little ego a little hubris on Mm -hmm. on our part my part to think that we could pull that off in that way uh so so that was one i was not maybe my best moment of all time um I think places that we've leaned into, uh, you know, we, we're, we're, we've pivoted to, we used to do a bunch of chef collabs with like 10, 11, 12 chefs a year, where at Madison Square Park, we'd have some um, local chef that we would put a bunch of money into, develop a burger with, we'd sell a bunch of tickets, and it made a great impact locally, but it had no scale. So one of the things we've done is we're only going to do three of those a year, right? And so much of like marketing success is focusing on what works, doing less, but then when it works, piling on the money, right? It's this whole idea of like, when you play blackjack, it's one hand out of 40 that you make your money on. And that's where you have to have the readiness to like go all in and put the money behind it. So we're going to do like three this year, but they're going to be major and they're going to hit big audiences and we're going to put resources behind them. And we know that that's going to work in a way that because we did one last year in that way that it's going to really like take off nationally. And now, instead of like trying to defend each one of these small ones, we've got one big one that has real scale across Smart. the country.
0: I love it, brother. Jay, real pleasure. Good to see you again. Sharing yeah, for you, brother.
3: Cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate
2: it. Thanks, Jay. Gary, I'm really fired up about this next one. It's Cat Stickler. She is one of TikTok's beloved stars who quickly (laughs) gained 8 million.
4: Oh, here she is. (laughs) I've been freaking out this whole time backstage. I don't even know what to do. (laughs)
2: All right, I'm going to let you guys just take it from here. She's going to tell you everything she's doing. Okay. Enjoy.
4: Okay, Gary, take it away.
0: Kat, it's such a pleasure. How are you?
4: I'm like so good. I'm so good. I've been playing it so cool because, you know, just I was freaking out, freaking out, like literally. Why? Because that's how I express emotion. It's just (laughs) good
0: for you. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? I think they'll enjoy Um, it.
4: I'm Kat Stickler. I'm an entertainer. I love making people laugh. It's my passion. And um, I was able to do that and reach a lot of people through TikTok by doing that.
0: What made you jump on TikTok?
4: I was late in the game. I was two years into it and I was like, okay, let's try this. COVID happened. That's why I jumped in. I was a stay at home mom. And then I got bored when the baby was napping. So I was like, <laughs> I his mom, she's my only friend. And then it kind of took off from there.
0: What first happened? Like what which you first uh, you made how many TikToks did you make before you had a viral one. Let's start with that.
4: How many TikToks did I make before I had a viral one? One, two, three, four, five, probably 10.
0: Okay, now let's tell the story of the first viral one. So you post your 11th, your 12th, your 9th, your 16th. What happens?
4: It was more relatability at that point. So I knew that what would hit was if comments were engaged with what's relatable and someone could pitch it on every single thing I touched. Um, man, woman, child. So that was when I realized, okay, if I can get more people to relate to it, then that means the comedy can reach a bigger audience. So.
0: And did you, meaning, did you like feel like you were gonna hit? Like when you posted it, you're like, this is the one? Or was it, a, the, the right? So that's where it gets interesting for me. Like, so when you, when it hits, are you like, oh, I've got something here or like this platform's different because what TikTok brought to the table was virality for people that didn't have millions of followers. Right. And I feel like a lot of people calibrated that as like, woo, this is a different opportunity. Is that what you felt?
4: Yeah. I felt like mm-hmm. it was just an insane gift to be able to reach that many people. I was like, Holy shit. This is like, I feel like someone gave me this box and I like, I didn't want it to break. And I'm like, I need to be perfect. To sure. things. Yeah. I didn't want to throw it away. And then, um, no, I think it was both. I think it's both the platform, and I think because if I post the same video that went viral on TikTok, and I post it on Instagram, one or two have gone viral on Instagram, but it's it's not the same. Instagram like likes a different kind of video.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think people's psychology when they're on the platform is different, and the audience is different, and the algorithms are different. Like, it's just different.
4: You're so smart. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> what um what uh what do you think you're smart about? So I appreciate that compliment. Let me give it back to you. Like right now, if I'm like, hey, shoot your shot of what you're feeling strong about. Like, what do you think you have grasped that a lot of other people haven't figured out in this world right now?
4: I wouldn't necessarily say that a lot of other people haven't figured it out. But I think I have a pretty good understanding of when to put humor into things. I got divorced and no one jokes about getting divorced. It's like taboo. Um, And I kind of like my mother- You know, I made her, I impersonate my mom. I made her have to be very religious. Like she's like putting holy water on me. So I really tried to make light of things that people go through. Um, I think I do have that, um, I, don't, I don't like saying I have that gift. I don't know. I think I can communicate trauma in a way like after you heal that there's like hope on the other end.
0: I love that. Yeah. Do you feel like you always knew you had it?
4: Oh yeah. I mean, so I, I want to talk build my confidence
0: a lot. Mine too, yeah. but I want to talk about this. There's a lot of people watching right now who believe the same thing that haven't made the jump yet.
1: Hmm.
0: What do you think about that? Like what when I say that, because I know it to be true because, because I push this out so much, I'm on the receiving end of so many people reaching out to me and saying, right. you motherfucker, I love you so much. Like you pounded me until I finally did it and it's fucking happening. How'd you know? And I'm like, I'm like, I know because like the world is now in a place. We used to have the thing of like, fi- fifteen minutes of fame, and now we have like everybody has fifteen fans. Like everybody has fifteen right. fans. Some people just have fifteen million fans, and they have it in them. They don't realize that they even have any fans yet, but they kind of know they have something. Right. But they're scared to make that jump because they are now playing a character of themselves in their grown-up self. Right. What do you tell? You know the energy you bring like in the beginning and just like people listening to you right now, like, you know, I think you're gonna be able to reach people that maybe I can't because they associate more, or you might say different words, like what stands out when you hear that?
4: Um, that I already kind of overcame embarrassment in my own life. Like I got, it was an unexpected pregnancy, it was just casually dating and then boom. And then I was the last person you would expect. My parents, everyone in shocked. everyone around me even knew. And i to like walk around with this belly and like show <laughs> so off you can't hide it. You're like, yeah, I'm pregnant. Um so I think overcoming that and just owning my decisions, all of a sudden I didn't care at all. Like
0: it like I, went it went like oh. so that life event of like you're not the person that's going to do this went so the other way and unlocked actually a lot of happiness because you were like fuck it, what's worse than fuck this it. judgment?
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. And I think also I forgot what I was gonna say. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry.
0: I, don't know what I'm I am
4: okay. sweating, just dreadful. Why? It's how I was made. I don't know. God. But I you're was, a f- so you're cool met- this call. I was gonna lean back in my chair. Okay. But
0: you're but you're an entertainer. You shouldn't be nervous, right?
4: Yeah, I'm sure you're super nervous, right? <laughs> yes.
0: I'm never nervous because. I've gotten my brain into, similar to you, like, I don't know if it was, you know, I've been thinking a lot about something lately. Both of my parents lost a parent very young. My my mom lost her mom at five. And my dad lost his dad at 15. And I've been remembering lately of like, wow, I really feared my parents dying when I was a kid because it was in the air. It was their (gasps) lives, right? And I wonder if like, I've been thinking a lot about this lately of like, why it, do I not give a fuck? <laughs> you know, like, yes, I got bad grades and like everybody said I was going to suck and I knew yeah. I wasn't. But lately I've been going into like, am I just so grateful that I got to 46 and my parents are both alive and healthy? And like, right. am I just so simple? Like, do I just, have I figured it out? Which is like, fuck everything, nothing matters. Like, it's all good. Like, right. and I'm trying to scale that in conversation, you know, like know, this little guy. What do you mean this, by that?
4: You're trying to scale that well,
0: this is the gratitude gorilla okay all right Uh, I'm gonna make this fucking character so beloved and so adored by every human on earth that hopefully it seeps gratitude into everyone's head because once you're grateful everything gets easy if you're actually grateful if you don't all the bullshit I'm so grateful you're not fucking grateful you complain that your coffee wasn't hot you can't do that when you're grateful
4: right oh that's so good I, I totally agree with that just because it's so easy to get like, just not be yourself with this thing. It's such like an ego boost when someone comes up to you like, oh my gosh, you did this for me. I am like, you get it all the time, but just keeping that, being humble lets you well, connect. I love that. It's well,
0: I so love that. I love that you're bringing this up. And we'll wrap up with this. I don't know how, by the way, I have no idea what the fuck this has to do with speed and agility, but
4: oh, right. this is the I'm best
0: so conversation. No, it's perfect. Because actually peace of mind and like inner inner strength actually leads to all speed and agility. The reason I'm fast and agile is I don't care when I fail. Right. But to your point, if you don't hear the accolades, humility, Mm -hmm. you're not vulnerable to the hate.
4: Right. And I feel like everyone has this like a little bit of, unfortunately this like depravity in them. And I think when you have these people like saying horrible things and if they bring up my daughter, I'm like, oh shit, no way. But I would literally watch your things all the time Because I don't don't really care what people think about me anymore. And it's so, I don't know. I can do anything. I guess I feel like that's the only piece of advice. Once you don't care, like you don't care if you post and your friends see and what will they think. And you don't care because I failed at so many freaking videos. So many have flopped. Like I'm just used to it. It's okay.
0: I'm proud of you, Kat. Thank you so much for being on the show. Bye, Gary. Thanks so much for listening or watching to that episode of the Gary Vee Audio Experience. We really hope you enjoy it and we hope to see you next time.